Diedrach. This is the second of seven stories from Wendy Robertson's new collection, Siblings, narrated by Anne Dover. 1922, March the 8th, Allies occupied Germany to collect war debts. Our D, her given Scottish name, Diedrach, means pilgrim, no less, has always been the scamp of the family. She calls me our kid and has this crooked smile with a gap between her front teeth. I watch her a lot. She's the oldest girl in our family and the bravest, shown by the fact that she's willing and very able to cross swords with Mam at least once a week. Between them, they can convert our kitchen into a war zone. Our Mam, who has everyone else at a word, has never been able to stop our Dee from clumping about after the lads or climbing trees in the boots our grandar sent us from Chilton to thank Mam for playing the organ in his Welsh chapel. Our Mam's brother, Uncle Job, who brought them in a big hessian sack, tumbled them out onto the table, like so many leather creatures. Uncle Job fought with our dar in the war. The boots were not new. There were cast-offs from our grandar's spare-time job as a cobbler. Our grandar is quite the businessman. As well as being a big man at the pit and the chapel, he makes and sells tin cooking dishes and has his own billiard hall. Anyway, Dee has always liked to get dirty, so the boots come in handy for her Saturday job, helping Joe Hunter at his allotment. For pay, she brings home potatoes and Brussels sprouts and stuff, so that at least wins her a grim smile from Mam. And sometimes our day tells me her ghost stories. We sit in the backyard with our backs to the end wall, and she stretches her long legs out in front of her and kicks her stout heels together. Then she starts off in this fluting voice, not like her voice at all. I seen our grandar, Ayla. I seen him in this flattened priest's cloak with his old grey cap on the side of his head. That can't be a ghost, Dee. Our grandar's not dead. I feel the slack movement of her big shoulders. You seen him in Chilton Chapel last Saturday, didn't you? Aye, I seen him. Right. So he isn't dead, Ayla. I know that, but I saw him down the edge of the woods when he was really at the pit. She wriggles her back against the rough stone wall. But as well as that, I seen Grandar's own da. She pauses. Quite the drama queen, our day. And that one's definitely dead, isn't he? Died back there in Wales where they come from. You know... The one that used to sing Welsh songs about marching with blethin' up kinvin. I don't know the words of that song like. Wish I did. Then comes the day she creates a real ruckus in the boys' yard at school. Being a girl, she's not even allowed in the boys' yard. Anyway, this day she sets two of the lads in her gang on this lad who accused her of being as easy as an old blanket. She even gets in a few kicks herself and manages to split the lad's nose like squashed beetroot. Anyway, this schoolmaster comes to the house, front door again, like the officer, to report the incident to Mam, scolding her like she was a child. One glimpse of him through the middle door and our D vanishes through the back door, 
probably to the den she and her gang have built on the lower reaches of the pit heap. Then there is the day, and it is a Saturday, and my brothers are playing football on the green, when this woman comes to the house, sent by the school. Front door again. The woman has her hair pulled back in a big bun, and is wearing shiny black leather shoes on her bony feet. I sit on the treadle of the singer sewing machine, watching the woman as she talks to Mam, who's sitting as usual on a music stool. Our breedling, sitting on the easy chair by the fireplace with Eowyn on her knee, sits opposite the woman, who is perched on the horsehair sofa. Our Adairin is back in the kitchen stirring stew on the fire. Our Dee is standing in the doorway between the front room and the kitchen, like a bird, ready for flight. Anyway, it goes like this. Being a good scholar like our Bram, Dee has passed the school leaving certificate early. But she's no use to our mam in the house, as mam keeps our Adairin off school for all that stuff. Anyway, this woman explains about something called place. She works in an office that finds places for girls to work as servants, not just here in our town, but all over the north. I remember a girl at school telling me her sister had gone to place in Newcastle. Now we all watch as the woman hands over a brown envelope to my mother. The place is in Bradford, she says. A village called Low Moor. The house is a boarding house. They need a good strong girl, but they will train her up. There's a train ticket in the envelope and three shillings. The envelope crackles in Mam's hand. The woman goes on. They will meet her off the train at Bradford Station. The back door clashes as Dee storms out. The woman stands up and shakes hands with Mam, who wipes her hand down her pinny and then closes the front door after the woman. Dee is furious all afternoon and stamps around the house like a giant. But Mam prevails, and our Bram sits Dee down and talks to her, his face close to hers. So the following Saturday, all of us except Bram go to the station to see Dee onto the train. The platform is crowded, and she, looking smaller than usual in the hat and coat she wears for chapel. No giant now. After day is gone, the house is very quiet. Too quiet for me. I can no longer hear her clattering around in her boots, or her shouting from the yard to some passing lads. This makes me very sad. One day I come in from school to find a letter placed squarely in the middle of the kitchen table, just by the breadboard. I recognise our day's beautiful slope in writing. But this letter is addressed to me, not our ma'am, who pushes it across to me, a scowl on her smooth white brow. Read it, she says. As I read the lines out loud, I can hear my sister's voice. Dear Ayla, well, here I am, in place. The missus met me off the train. We caught a bus which wound its way through a whole puzzle of streets, some of them with houses, but some of them lined with buildings big as castles, with chimneys like towers, billowing bitter smoke which smells of burning iron. 
No elegant pit wheels here, Ayla. No sweet smell of coal. From the bus stop, the missus and me walked to the house together. This is a tall house in a row of much smaller, narrower houses. I am sharing a room and bed at the very top of the house with Myra Wilkes. She's the maid who will be my boss in this house. She's a fat lass with round cheeks and no neck. The missus tells me I have to do everything Myra Wilkes says. My job is to work from seven in the morning to nine at night, cleaning windows and scrubbing floors, possing clothes and swilling piss pails down the drains. This is from Monday morning to Saturday morning. On Saturday afternoon, I walk into Bradford with Myra Wilkes and do the shopping for the missus. As I read our day's words, I glance around the kitchen. The fire is roaring up the chimney and the water in the boiler beside it is bubbling. The big table is laid for the regular Wednesday baking, which mostly our Adairin does now. Even while I read, Adairin is busy tying on her blue apron. Our Evan is sitting on the treadle of the Singer sewing machine, his hands as usual whittling a stick. Our Breedlin and Irwin are sitting on the fender. I lift the letter and look closely at the wall of writing before me. Our days, pretty, lupin, pretty words, flow on, line after line. Go on, says ma'am, grimly. I clear my throat and frown at the top sheet. This is a lodging house, two bathrooms and five bedrooms. So you can imagine the washing and ironing with five lodgers to cater for. They're all men who work in the ironworks, which are everywhere here, spewing smoke and making the day into night, except for Sundays, when the smoke thins out a bit. The missus took my boots off me the day I arrived and shoved them in a cupboard under the stairs. I found out later that she'd sold them. She brought me a pair of black shoes that still have the creases from the last wearer, but, like the missus says, the soles are good. It's old and young men who board here and talk in all kinds of lingo. One man tried pinching my bottom. I told him off and punched his hand away, and the missus gave me a right telling off for the setting up my cheek to one of her lodgers. Like I say, they all talk funny here. Some sound Scottish like our Angus grandma. Some have a funny twang, all whiny and in their jaws. Myra says they're from London. There are even foreigners here from Italy and Poland. They're taller and more polite. One of them bowed to me. I will stop now as my hand is aching. All I can tell you is that this place is worse than school, much worse. Say hello to our Bram and Evan and our lasses and to our ma'am. Oh, now the missus is shouting for me. Your sister D. P.S. I will not be here long, Ayla. There's plenty of jobs for girls in Bradford in the mills and the shops. That's what this Myra says, the one that I share a bed with. P.S. too. This whole town stinks. Not the nice clean smell of coal but the perpetual smell of iron burning. It gets in your eyes and ears and soaks into your skin. In the end you don't notice it and you realise 
It has soaked into you and you're inside and you have become the smell itself. P.S. 3 I know that our mam and our Chilton Grandarrel think that I've fallen into ungodly ways, but the best thing about being here is going with the missus to what they call the Spiritualist Church. The missus makes us go, but when I finally get there, I don't mind. The very first time I went, this old man took me on one side and told me that I had the gift and gave me a shilling. Think of that, eh? Dee's letters keep coming for five years, by which time she has her own boarding house in Bradford, as well as a husband, a stepson and five lodgers of her own. I keep all of her letters safe under my bed in her old school bag, and in time I will go to Bradford and live with her in her boarding house and work in a woollen mill. But that's another story. 1922, March the 17th. First birth control clinic set up in London. You have been listening to Diodrach, the second of seven stories from Wendy Robertson's new collection, Siblings, narrated by Anne Dover and brought to you by Damselfly Books.